coaches, what is up? Welcome to episode number 54 of Keep Your Pads Down. Thank you so much for checking us out today. We are a podcast devoted to defensive line play, but of course we do veer out of that lane occasionally, but it's always for good reason, and I think this episode is one of those occasions. But before we get to today's guest and topic, I got to introduce you to our co-host for today's show. So glad to be joined today by my man, Coach Jonathan Darby, who coaches our corners here at Pleasant Grove and also is a former guest on this podcast. Darby, what's up, man? Thank you so much for doing this. I'm really excited to have you helping me out today. Hey, Ty, really, really glad to be on again. I mean, uh, listen to a podcast a couple of times since since I've been on it and uh, can't, can't wait to be on the, on the podcast again. This is this is awesome, man. I, I'm glad this thing is uh, going strong and hopefully we get a Get a couple more listeners uh, as we go tonight. Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, okay, so we are on week three of quarantine here in Texarkana. But, you know, up until, you know, late last week, we still saw each other every day because, you know, we, we both showed up to the weight room, get uh, you know, at the, up, at the, up at the high school and got a workout in. But, you know, since like late last week, our whole sit, you know, our whole, uh, all of Texarkana is in uh, shelter in place. So, I haven't seen you in almost a week. So, so what, what what you been up to, man? How how are you handling being holed up in your apartment over there? No, no, I'm 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 with you. I mean, I I think that uh, that's definitely part of it. I think at first it was it was definitely kind of a weird thing to not be around the kids, um, and that was definitely an adjustment. But I think not being around the coaches is another adjustment. I think we 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 spend so much time. We, we talk about how much time we spend at the office and t- talk about how much time we spend with the kids, but not, not being there at all was kind of a, a, a big shocker. Um, and I, I think that's something that, that it takes adjusting to is, you know, there, and you see a lot of people tweeting about, it, you see a lot of people on Facebook talking about missing their kids. I, I miss, I miss the adult interaction. I miss, yeah. I miss hanging yeah. around with dudes yeah. um, that we, that we see every day. And I think, I think that's definitely been a, been a big adjustment but my, my, my big thing is just and, and you talked about it a, a lot the other day you, you sent a really good youtube video out youtube video out about staying in a routine and having having a, a day-to-day kind of plan uh, and my big thing is the same thing is I, i'm not going to go sleep in until nine o'clock i'm going to try yeah, to set my alarm yeah. for seven o'clock you know seven seven thirty and I, i'm going to try to be up by then i'm going to try to work out as soon as i i can get up and get moving around a little bit eat a little breakfast uh, I'm gonna get a workout in, and then I'm gonna try to get my day going. I'm not gonna, I'm not just gonna sit there and uh, and not do anything. And, and and that's a little different than normal. I mean, it's it's not, it's not moving around and going and seeing kids. It's not moving around and going and seeing coaches. But I'm gonna try to get as much done as I can in, yeah, yeah. in the hours of the day I'm given that I have. You know, and that might be in, in a in a shelter in place in part apartment. But I'm gonna do as much as I can that I'm in that apartment. Yeah, for sure. For sure, I hate to compare it to, and I and I made the mistake of making this comparison in front of my wife the other day. But I hate to compare it to being locked up, like in jail or something. You know, you hear guys say like, "You gotta, you gotta do the time. You can't let the time do you." And I said, I said that the other day to my wife, and I don't think that was a great. I think no, she appreciated and, 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 that, and, and, but I, I, but you got to take advantage of the, the time. In my head, psychologically, it's the same thing because. It, it's it's so much different than our normal right is that this is this has created a new normal for us that now you have to redefine what is your new day and yeah and you could you could approach it one way as like oh i'm stuck in here and i'm I, and i have to do this or i can't do anything or i'm going to be stuck to the tv or stuck to the video games or wherever that that stuck to is 
or you can say, all right, this is my new environment, and now this is how I'm going to define what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so you sent a, a video to the coaching staff the other day of you doing some skateboarding around the apartment complex. So uh, have you been doing more of that lately, like showing up the middle school kids okay. at, at, over there? <laughs> yeah, that was, a, uh, that was a one-time deal. And and here's here's the background on that is I'm, I'm from California when when I grew up it was we didn't we yeah, of course we had bikes and all that kind of deal but point A to point B was we would we would ride a longboard where we're going so that that was kind of that's kind of in my bloodline and I've still had a longboard I I bought one last last year actually it was probably a little old to be buying something like that but <laughs> bought a new longboard and. Uh, it's just kind of it's in the blood. I don't yeah. know. Well, okay, because you know you GA'd at TCU. Did did you longboard around TCU campus or? or it, no, no, no. We on the Trinity River there in Fort Worth. We did. Uh, I did, and the rest of the the buddies had some bikes. So if we got a if we got a free minute, that's something that was a little recreational activity, I guess. But yeah, uh, I was the only one that was dumb enough to buy the skateboard. The other guys <laughs> all got real bikes. So, uh, Pat, Coach Patterson never saw you guys boarding. Never, he has never seen that, and uh, I don't know what his reaction would be. Yeah, yeah, well, we could probably guess. But anyway, hey, you know, I, I'm glad you're making it over there, and I, and I think I, I, I speak for all of our coaching staff when I say keep those keep that, those skateboarding videos coming because we all need some – we all it's need a, it's some, a little different. Yeah, it'll yeah. get, get us some laughter going. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's uh, – you know, I'm really excited about today's guest. So this is um, – you know, we're talking to Coach Matt Pallage, who's a safeties coach and special teams coordinator over there at Baylor. And, and, and you know, he's uh, – we played high school ball together, uh, and he's, he's a year behind me. But, uh, anyway, it's just uh, really, really exciting to be able to talk to him. Not only is he a great football coach, but he's an even better person. So Coach Pallage has 10 years of college coaching experience. He spent the 2018 and 2019 seasons at Louisiana uh, working with new Baylor defensive coordinator Ron Roberts. During that time, the program made two consecutive Sunbelt Conference championship game appearances and won a school record 11 games in 2019, including a 27-17 bowl victory over Miami of Ohio. In his two seasons at UL, Coach Pallage mentored six all-Sunbelt honorees, and in 2019, Louisiana ranked first or second in the Sun Belt in kickoff return defense, kickoff returns, and net punting. Also, the Cajuns ranked among the top 24 in the nation in each of those categories. Coach Pallage served as tight ends coach and special teams coordinator for the University of Louisiana Monroe from 2016 to 2017. Uh, under Coach Pallage, ULM ranked second in the Sun Belt Conference in 2017 in kickoff returns, averaging 25.2 yards per return. The Warhawks also were among the league leaders in field goal percentage and punting. Prior to ULM, Coach Pallage spent two seasons at Sam Houston State, where he led his alma mater to arguably its best special team seasons of all time. The Bearcats ranked atop the South End Conference leaderboard in four different categories, punt return yards, block kicks, special teams, scores, and PAT percentage. And also, I think that they were back-to-back finalists, FCS finalists that year. He can tell us, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Uh, the squad, loaded, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got to be up there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the squad was also one of six teams in the NCAA to block two plus punts and return two or more for touchdowns. Coach Pallish spent three seasons as a graduate assistant, uh, both at Kentucky and Southeastern Louisiana. Sandwiched around a season as running backs coach at Northwestern State in 2012. Uh, he is a native of Huntsville, Texas, and was a standout at Sam Houston State from 2005 through 2009, uh, culminating in All Southland and team captain honors 
his senior season. All right, so Darby, I know you have to be excited about talking with Coach Pallage because you know you coach safeties, you played safety in high school, junior college, and then at Swasu. So I mean, this has got to have you pretty juiced up, right? No, I'm 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 biting at the bit for this one. I think I think he's gonna, especially looking at at his experience and where he's been, his uh, his timing. You know, you know, through uh, through different colleges, I think this is gonna be one that. We're definitely going to get some great insights on on not only the safety position, but hopefully we'll get some some just defensive knowledge in general and some special teams knowledge. Hopefully, kind of along this along the way. Yeah, for sure. All right. So with all that being said, Darby, what do you say we, we kick this thing off? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Here is Coach Matt Pallage on episode number fifty four of Keep Your Pads Down. Always great to welcome a fellow Huntsville Hornet out of the podcast. So, Matt, thank you so much for coming on today on your birthday, no less. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you having me a bunch, Ty, and I appreciate um, what y'all are doing. And, um, you know, it's an honor to be on here uh, on KYPD and talking talking to you today. Yeah, well, you know, we're not going to sing you happy birthday or anything, but, you know, happy birthday. Uh, Coach Darby and I are, are really excited to be talking with you. You know, I've spent all day, uh, I spent all my, you know, pretty much all day cooped up, you know, chasing around three kids under the age of five, and Darby is at home with like his cat by himself. So we're we're definitely <laughs> ready to talk some football. Yes, sir. Well, I, you know, I mentioned in the intro that that you have a a pretty interesting story about your days as a player, particularly when you were were at Sam Houston. So l- let's just start there. Uh, talk to us about your days as a player and then how you got into coaching football in the first place. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I played high school ball, uh, with Ty growing up and, um, know his, know his family and his brothers and, and, and sister really well. But, um, uh, coming out of high school, my senior year, uh, I wasn't, you know, highly touted or highly recruited. Uh, if you know, uh, zero stars, probably in the right time, it's probably <laughs> negative stars. Um, but, um, I, uh, Ended up walking on at Sam Houston State, and, uh, you know, funny story, um, you know, I had a couple of teammates that signed with Sam Houston State and uh, had had some conversations, um, you know, in 2004 um, with the old coaching staff at Sam Houston, and um, uh, which would have been Ron Randleman was the head coach at the time. And Ron uh, retired at the end of a really successful 2004 season where they went to the semifinals, and I was able to um, – um, you know, kind of, um, I guess, uh, start a relationship with some of those staff members um, on that staff. And uh, Todd Whitten came in as a new head coach early on uh, in, in January of 05. And uh, I kind of lost touch, I guess, with the same Houston staff. So I was hunting around for a home, uh, you know, really hard. And um, lo and behold, two of my teammates signed with Sam Houston. I ended up um, – uh, you know, getting reached out to in like March or April. And like my choices were a couple of D3s and uh, uh, walking on at Blinn Junior College. And um, so I ended up, you know, because of being a hometown guy and family situation, ended up walking on to Sam. And um, uh, I'm playing basketball in late May um, with those two, two signees that end up signing with Sam Houston. And we're having a pickup game on a Sunday. And, uh, you know, when we're done playing, they say, you know, hey, you know, um, you know, uh, 
I'll see you guys tomorrow is kind of uh, what one of them, you know, told, told me and the other guy. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, see you tomorrow. What is he talking about? You know, I was about ready to ask him if we were going to go fishing, um, you know, the next day or play basketball again or, 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 or whatever. And uh, so, I, I, you know, I was inquisitive and asked him, you know, what he was talking about. And he said, oh, we got we got workouts tomorrow morning. Some of the workouts are starting. I'm like, what the heck? Um so I had no no idea about summer workouts, but lo and behold, the next day at 5:30 a.m. in the oh. morning, I'm standing out in the line outside the weight room um, with about you know 80 other guys, and uh, they all got you know uh, issued gear like black uh, shorts with San Houston logos on them, gray shirts that said Bearcat football, and I'm wearing some stuff that you know my uh, uh, family got me from the bookstore for graduation, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> You know, they're calling out names off this roll sheet. It's Kyle Spear. He's the uh, head strength coach at Tulane now. He's oh, yeah. the head, co- uh, head strength coach at uh, St. Houston at the time. And he goes all the way down through the list, and I'm the last one standing out there in the hallway uh, in this old weight room. And he goes, you know, you know, who the heck are you? And I'm like, uh, I'm Matt Pallage, you know. I'm like, I, you know, it's, it's, I was kind of intimidated a little bit by him, but, you know, I kind of poked my chest. I'm Matt Pallage, you know. I kind of said it pretty prideful, and – he goes, well, again, who the heck are you? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm walking, uh, I'm, I'm from Huntsville, and you know, I'm, I was told to be here for workouts, which really I kind of made up. But um, he said, by who? And so I, the guy I had the most contact with, I mentioned his name. I said, Coach Tommy, man. You know, he says, well, get in there and you know, shut up and you know, get in that last rack over there and you know, don't you know, don't be any trouble, you know, kind of deal. So yeah. I went in there and uh, wasn't even supposed to be in there in summer workouts because I guess the, well, I know, you know, the walk-ons uh, didn't come till I guess, school starts. Uh, but busted my butt um, that summer and uh, got a, you know, camp invitation and then busted my butt in camp. And, you know, I, I initially um, had been told that I was probably going to start at safety, Um there at Sam Houston and sure enough I was like the only one in fall camp that like gained 10 pounds like everybody else is like dropping dropping weight left and right I go from like 200 to 210 you know what I mean yeah yeah so they're like all right we're gonna move him to inside linebacker um so next thing you know um a year later um I was moving to fullback you know so I've gotten uh, a little bit bigger and you know I played uh ball there for four years and you know probably the highlight of my career, you know, it was probably, you know, junior, senior year, you know, I was starting, um, uh, ended up, you know, being all conference junior year and then senior year being kind of a, a captain type guy. So, um, you know, that was, that was fun. I'm forever a Bearcat and, um, you know, obviously forever a Hornet too, but that's kind of back down there. Yeah. I mean, that's just a great story, man. And, and, uh, you know, I love the uh, just the because I know Kyle, Kyle, uh, you know, great friend of, of our families and has actually been on this podcast before. And I can just see that whole scene playing out, man, like you stand in that hallway and, and him you know, looking <laughs> at his clipboard and looking at you and your bookstore, Sam Houston clothes. And um, and to go from that to, to being all conference and a team captain uh, is really just a testament to the kind of dude that you were. Uh, so talk about you know, how you got into coaching, was that always something that you knew you wanted to do or is that something you discovered later on while you were at Sam? Yeah, I probably knew, um, you know, early on in high school that I wanted to be around, um, sports, you know, my whole, you know, uh, for the rest of my life, 
and uh, probably realized probably about my junior year of high school that that sport wanted to be, you know, I wanted it to be football. And then, um, you know, from that standpoint, probably, you know, at 16, 17, 18 years old, I knew I wanted to be a, a football coach. Um, and um, from that standpoint, you know, I would say I didn't know that I wanted to be a college coach until I got to college. I think initially I always thought, you know, hey, I'm going to be a high school coach. I'm going to be like Coach Thompson. I'm going to be like Coach Foreman. I'm going to be like Coach Cooley. Because yeah, um, yeah. those guys had a huge impact on on, the, on my career and, and, you know, in my life in general. So I think from, from there, getting into college, I knew, okay, I, I like college. You know, probably about my junior year, I realized, okay, I think I want to coach college instead if I can. So then I started asking questions to our college coaches and saying, hey, how did y'all do this? You know, what is the what is the way into this? And, and uh, one of them was really helpful. You know, my position coach, uh, you know, Nathan Reeves. And then uh, uh, my next position coach would have been Brandon Jones. Um, and I just started reaching out to everybody that um, I had come into contact with at St. Houston State that maybe had walked through the doors and had walked out. Um, and they had been at other schools at the time, B.J. Anderson and, uh, um, you know, Tommy Maynard had left and, and some of those guys. And uh, they started telling me, you know, the, the, the way to do it, you know, if you're young, your age is to, you know, get you a G8 job. And so I made sure that my head coach, uh, Todd Whitten, knew and let him know uh, my plans. And we kind of got it set up to where, hey, you know, uh, you know, you're done playing in December, and uh, one of the GAs is looking to leave in December, so it should be perfect time, and we'll slide you right in. Well, that didn't go as planned either. Um, I ended up finishing my last game in, in, in November, and, and Coach Whitten was let go, you know, shortly after. So, um, you know, here comes Willie Fritz, and and, um, and uh, Coach Fritz was bringing in his own staff, and um, they had other plans. So I volunteered uh, for maybe a week during that uh, Christmas break and, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, ironic or uh, just, you know, kind of a really lucky deal. I had reached out to probably uh, between November and December of that year. I would say before November, I had reached out maybe to, you know, a dozen coaches and uh, let them know of my plans. I want to be a GA. I'm looking for a spot. But um, in November, December, I probably emailed every Division One, Division II, um, you know, uh, head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator, probably in the, in, you know, probably in the country. I think it was, uh, you know, a little over 200 emails. And it was one of those deals, copy and paste and oh, yeah. change the name yep. and change the mascot, all that stuff. But yep. I'd really We've all been there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I really worked hard on it. <laughs> and, um I think I got like two responses and one of them actually was from my little league baseball coach. So, um, my, um, um, my little league baseball coach, uh, growing up was a guy by the name of Mike Lucas, who's now the defense coordinator at Northwestern state. Well, Mike, when I was growing up was the uh, defensive coordinator at Sam Houston state and his son and me were the same age. And we played on multiple, uh, little league baseball teams together. Um, so, um, you know, he would coach us in the summer, you know, with Little League Baseball and, and uh, practices and whatnot. And so we had a good relationship, a really good relationship. Uh, so he emailed me back. He was one of the two coaches that uh, that emailed me back. The other one was uh, uh, Coach Klinakis at Nevada. I still remember this day. Um, so um, when I got that email back, I reached out to um, 
uh, Coach Lucas, and um, he said, hey, we're full. We don't have anything. Uh, and, again, this is probably late November, early December. Um, but when the coaching transition happened, Coach Fritz came in. I started volunteering. I get a phone call um, uh, right around Christmas time from Coach Lucas, and he said, hey, I just got word that our offensive GA flunked out of school. Wow. And I'm asking you if you want to come to Hammond, Louisiana. And I said, well, when do I need to be there? So I think he told me a day, and I told him I could be there, you know, three days before that. So, yeah, um, yeah I was there in a hurry. And I'd lived in Huntsville, Texas for, uh, you know, 22 years of my life. And I said, okay, I'm going six hours away, someplace I had never heard of, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start my coaching career. So that's kind of how it all got started. And, and um, I got my foot in the door there at Southeastern Louisiana as a graduate assistant. Yeah, and, and, you know, Darby chimed in there and said, you know, we've all been there sending the emails. And, and I think that every coach has that that kind of – that period in their lives when they're doing things like that. Um, I did something very similar uh, in, in trying to land a GA job also. And I know Darby, you know, uh, was, was a big – is a big-time grinder uh, as far as just, you know, in the way that he works. And, and I think that's the way that you got to be. And, and that's that's ultimately what led you to, to where you are now, being at Baylor. But go back and just – you know, talk to us about the stops you've made and just maybe some highlights at each of those places, just where you, you know, recap real quick where uh, the, the places that you've been uh, at, in your career. Yeah, so I've been at Southeastern Louisiana. Um, um, 2010 uh, was my first year there as a graduate assistant. Last year playing was, was 2009 uh, at St. Houston. So 2010 at Southeastern Louisiana was my start. Um, I was there 2010 and 11 as the um, offensive graduate assistant, um, uh, primarily the first year uh, um, working with the offensive line. Uh, and Alan Rudolph was the offensive line coach and offensive coordinator, who's an amazing, amazing uh, football coach and person. Uh, he's at uh, Ohio now as the offensive line coach. So uh, I did that for a year and then kind of transitioned that second year to coaching the tight ends. Um, and then um, in 2011, at the end of the season, uh, Coach Lucas uh, uh, was let go at Southeastern Louisiana. And um, um, I ended up, um, uh, you know, I ended up leaving there and going to Northwestern State. So that was my first uh, full-time coaching position in 2012 at Northwestern State. I, I got the opportunity to coach the running backs there for a head coach by the name of Bradley Del Pivoto. Um, who I owe a ton to, one, for taking a chance on me, uh, but two, um, just the things that I learned, uh, you know, as far as uh, being a teacher, being a coach, uh, the recruiting aspect of it, uh, the, the personal relationships uh, with everybody, really, to be honest, um, players, um, staff members, um, coaches, um, uh, recruits, uh, high school coaches, I mean, just everybody involved that you're involved with. Um, I thought he did a tremendous job, probably at the highest level, just developing relationships and caring for people. So um, 2012, I was there at Northwestern State for one year. And then, uh, you know, Coach Pivoto uh, that next year um, left and, and was at um, uh, University of Kentucky in 2013. So um, I got lucky again, man, and, and he asked me to come along with him as his graduate assistant. Um, and so I left Northwestern State uh, in 2013 and got an opportunity to uh, um, be uh, uh, in the SEC uh, as a graduate assistant. 
um, which was Mark Stoops' uh, first year as the head coach. And, um, you know, that was just a tremendous opportunity. I thought it was too good at the time not to pass up. I mean, because y'all know how it is. Um, you know, you, you, you watched um, games on Saturday and, you know, it's Big 12, it's SEC, you know, that those, those are kind of in the South as a uh, young coach, you know, that's kind of, you know, what you dream of. And um, to at least be around that, I thought was super beneficial. Um, so I was there in 2013. Like I said, it was Coach Stoops' first year. Um, so kind of felt like that was a uh, laying the foundation type year for us. Um, but, um, and, and since then, he's done a tremendous job. But um, we finished 2013 season, and, um, you know, uh, uh, Willie Fritz gets the head coaching job at, uh, at Georgia Southern. So he's leaving Sam Houston State. Uh, here comes uh, um, um, Casey Keeler, who comes in as the new head coach. And um, he had gotten my name, I guess, maybe by word of mouth. Uh, um, um, and uh, I get a phone call one day. Uh, from him in uh, January about coming down there and, and being the uh, special teams coordinator and running backs coach at San Houston State. So I did that 14 and 15, probably the highlights there. You know, we won, I think, 11 games both years, uh, went to back-to-back semifinals. Um, you know, I coached a, a punter there named Lachlan Edwards that's, uh, you know, he's been a starting punter the last four years with the New York Jets um, and, and coached some, some unbelievable uh, uh, players there. Uh, Keyshawn Hill was our running back. Wow, he was a stud. Um, and uh, we had a really good run there, Southland Conference Championship, and, um, you know, ended up losing out to North Dakota State one year, and then I think Jacksonville State the second year. But um, um, after that, I got the opportunity to go coach with Matt Viator at uh, Louisiana Monroe, um, which is my first FBS job. Um, as the special teams coordinator and the tight ends coach. Uh, again, he was first year head coach there. So, you know, it was, you know, laying a foundation and building something um, there in 16 and 17. Um, and then that kind of led me to Louisiana Lafayette uh, in 18 and 19, where I was at um, with uh, first year head coach Billy Napier. Um, and in 18, we won the Sunbelt West um, and had a bowl appearance. And then um, in 19, uh, won the Sunbelt West again, and um, we also uh, uh, won a bowl game uh, in January 2020, so uh, three months ago. But, um, yeah, um, those are, you know, the highlights there. Obviously, I mean, I stated them. I mean, it was a, um, a big-time learning experience, those last two places. Yeah. Uh, the two head coaches I worked for were tremendous. That's right. So, Matt, those are some great places you've been. But but you have you have a really unique story, kind of a funny story about you know get actually physically getting to Baylor, and that was quite an experience. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that, about your you know going, moving from uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, to, to Waco, Texas. Yeah, so um, in late January, I'm I'm listening to our head coach uh, Billy Napier one of his press conferences. It was the first one after our uh, bowl win um, in Mobile. And so I'm sitting there in the office and I'm looking to it and uh, they're, you know, reviewing uh, the bowl win. they're reviewing recruiting and, and uh, maybe some injury updates and things like that. And lo and behold, somebody, you know, mentions, hey, and I think Coach Napier had already addressed it, but Coach Ron Roberts, the defensive coordinator, leaving for Baylor University. And Coach Napier responded that, hey, you know, really proud and excited for Ron and, um, you know, um, we'll be fine. We got a great plan. 
So then one of the reporters says, uh, do you anticipate anybody else, you know, leaving your staff? And he said, man, we had a great year. We won 11 games, Sunbelt West, bowl win. He said, yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. It's part of the game. And, um, you know, I'm totally fine with it. And, uh, you know, if it happens over the next week or two, then, hey, we'll be just fine. Uh, but if it happens, and, he, and, and this is the one that caught my ear, he said, if it happens um, <laughs> um, that week, um um, that we come back from uh, from signing day. If it happens any later than that, then I'm gonna be hot. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh man. So uh, I, you know, just kind of took note of it. And sure enough, lo and behold, um, I think I got a call from Coach Aranda uh, actually, you know, on signing day or maybe the day before. But uh, and so it's not like I probably you know had a week to um, actually ponder and think this thing over and drag everything out. But in the back of my mind that whole time, I was like, man, Matt, you better hurry up and make a, make a decision here on what you're going to do. Because, uh, you are, if you, if you want to stay, you're really going to make, uh, 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 coach Napier hot. So, yeah. um, uh, so I think after signing day, um, um, you know, uh, I think coach Aranda said, Hey man, um, everybody's getting out of the office this weekend because, uh, you know, they've been working freaking 14 hour days for, the last month, um, you know, for seven days a week. And I'm like, well, shoot. All right. Well, I'm gonna try to get there by Friday, which I think when I was on the phone with them was like, uh, less than 36 hours. You wow. know? So I went on a Thursday and, and we freaking, uh, you know, me and my girlfriend packed a U-Haul and well, I mean, we drive to, uh, uh, to Waco on a Friday morning and, um, I'm on 610 in Houston, and all of a sudden, I mean, this thing is like smoking. I'm like, oh my <laughs> gosh, what's going on? So I pull over uh, the side of the road, and fire it feels like, you know, when I get up to the hood. So I, I looked the hood; it's smoking, and and um, I drove some some old cars growing up, some old trucks growing up uh, in high school and college, and so I thought I had it figured out. I thought it just overheated, and I looked, and the um, the water tank in the U-Haul truck was completely empty. Um, so I look and I kind of, uh, investigate it and sure enough, there was like a little crack in it where it seemed like the water had been dripping out like a slow leak. Um, so, so I'm like, okay, well, at least I think I know how to fix it. So I, uh, start to look for Uber drivers, uh, on the shoulder on 16 <laughs> and I'm like, uh, nah, you know what? Uh, I, I, I went ahead and Google searched, uh, what the closest gas station was, which was about half a mile. Uh, so I ran half a mile down to the uh, closest gas station, uh, bought a couple of jugs of water, came back, uh, again, jogged a mile back, a half a mile back, uh, filled it up. Um, and by that point, the truck had cooled down and it starts right back up. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm cooking with gas now. The only problem was um, now uh, my ETA is about 30 minutes uh, behind uh, where I just told my new boss, you know, I'd be there. Uh, so I, I hustled to, uh, to, to Waco as fast as that U-Haul would go and, uh, show up 30 minutes late with, uh, uh, sweaty, musty, uh, clothes and, uh, stains all over my shirt <laughs> of, uh, you know, like grease and whatnot yeah, yeah. looking under the hood. And I'm like, Hey, I'm the new special teams coordinator safety coach. Great to, great to be here. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, that's a, the, the good, the best part of that story is that you got it fixed. You know I mean? That, that that you got it done. Yeah, you were a little bit late, but uh, you you didn't up uh, you didn't get towed or anything like that, and you got there. So I'm sure they had to appreciate that. 
<laughs> you didn't, hey, you didn't need help. You did it yourself. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Right. There you go. Yeah, and you list off the, the the names of the head coaches that you've had the privilege to work for, and there's some there's some outstanding guys, and and I know you've learned a ton from them. You know, I'm curious now being at, at Baylor with with Coach Aranda. Uh, and this is a question that when Darby and I were talking, this is a question that he came up with. I thought it was a great question. Uh, but, you know, there's a growing trend in the Big 12 and, and really all of football uh, in general on all levels to, to hire offensive-minded coaches. And because you work for both, you know, talk about the differences in, in, in working for a defensive-minded co- head coach and an offensive one. You know, that, I think that's a really good point. Um, I would say um, – you know, maybe what they, they put the emphasis on, um, right? Um, I mean, that seems like the obvious answer. Um, and I hear stories maybe about um, other places, um, whether it's on the high school, college level, even NFL level, um, where, um, you know, that head coach might put, you know, more of an emphasis because that's what he, um, you know, takes part in, right? And yeah. That's where his experience yeah. is. And, um that side of the ball, maybe they're bus one instead of bus two, you know, yeah. um, defense, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's a defensive minded head coach. That's bus one. You're like, Whoa, that's different. Um, and then, you know, who gets to, um, um, you know, kind of make the, uh, um, uh, the face of the script, you know, I mean, uh, whose terminology are we using? You know what I mean? I mean, it's just different things like that, that I'm, that I'm hearing about, but, um, I would say this, um, especially uh, the last two stops, and uh, this one being Baylor is no different uh, from my experience thus far. Uh, but, um, you know, those guys that I've worked for more recently, I mean, <laughs> they know they know offense, they know defense, they know special teams, they know they know ball in general. Yeah. And, um, yeah. You really, you really couldn't tell unless you sat down and asked them, uh, you know, hey, where have you spent the majority of your career? And really start, and start asking uh, intricate, detailed questions. I mean, uh, Billy Napier, I mean, shoot, if you, if you asked him to coordinate defense tomorrow, um, you know, I, I promise you he'd get it figured out before, before August rolled around uh, and have a great plan. But he's been an offensive-minded guy or been on that side of the ball his whole life. And so that's yeah. really interesting. And that's one of the things I picked up on from him, Matt Piotr, right, is uh, in order to, to really, um, I guess, um, I don't know if dominate's the right word or um, maybe excel or have a lot of success, right, you want to know what the, what the enemy's thinking or, you know, the, the whys and the why nots and, uh, you know, what they like versus this, but what do they not like versus that? That yeah. way you know – um, the chess move before it's even made. And I guess to answer your question is, you know, it, it's kind of it's hard to say um, maybe my experience has really been anything different, um, you know, whether it's been an offense or, or defensive guy um, these last couple of stops, these last few stops, actually. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, really, I really like that answer because it, it really goes back to – and this is something that Ty, me and you have talked a lot about is if, if you want to be a really good defensive coach, you really want to know what the offense is doing or, or vice versa. If you want to be a really good defensive football coach, if I want to be a good DB coach, what's that receiver coach teaching his kids um, to, to beat me, you know, on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, I, that's one thing I really like about that answer is 
there's no right or wrong answer to that. It's just good ball coaches are going to figure out how to find a good answer to something. And that's something I really like about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think probably, uh, you know, the, the best the best coaches are, are like you said, uh, Matt, you know, you, you can't really tell what side of the ball they favor, you know, because uh, unless you just really pin them down on something because they do put an equal emphasis on both. And, you know, maybe you have a, maybe you have a, a head coach who's an offensive minded guy or offensive background, but he's in, you know, sitting in on defensive meetings, not to, you know, to take over the meeting, but just to be a presence in that meeting and, and obviously highlight the importance of it. Or maybe he's sitting in on a special teams meeting. You know, I think those, those are the, you know, probably the guys who have a, a, the best understanding that, hey, it's all important and it, it, we don't need to get into this. Well, this side of the ball is more important than this side of the ball. Well, Matt, uh, give us a, a brief overview of the of the 3-4 defense that Coach Aranda is bringing to Baylor. You know, what, what, what about it is unique and, and sets it apart from, you know, maybe other standard 3-4 schemes? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, kind of a brief overview, you know, odd front, you know, odd spacing. Um, but, you know, I think the whole objective is uh, using three down, um, you know, D linemen to take up five blockers. Like, that's the objective, right? And allowing the linebackers to play kind of A to C gap. And, um, you know, the other thing is, you know, um, with split safety, you know, looks being able to handle the, the, the horizontal RPOs. And so I, I think that's kind of maybe a, a generic or basic overview of it. Um, but I think maybe the thing that, uh, you know, kind of makes it unique, kind of sets it apart and, and, you know, maybe not that he invented it, but I definitely think as far as, you know, at the college game more recently kind of popularizing, you know, actually playing with a, with a zero and, and, and two, four eyes, you know, I think that makes it a little bit, you know, unique and not necessarily, uh, slanting to an over or slanting to an under front, but, but playing with those zeros and two, four eyes and, and allowing those linebackers to play A to C. But I think the other thing that kind of makes it unique is, you know, his whole objective of, of trying to do more with less. And, um, you know, that kind of goes in um, more so with, uh, you know, starting to talk about, you know, his quote unquote creepers or, you know, the simulated pressures, um, and, um, you know, I, I would say that's kind of a basic overview, but also uh, maybe what makes it a little bit uh, unique compared to some of the other uh, three, four or odd teams that you see in today's game. So, Matt, real quick, I, I know that there are a lot of guys listening in today who are secondary guys who maybe don't usually check out this podcast because we're, we're usually talking uh, defensive line play. And we are going to talk a lot about safety play here in a second. But first, I, I, I got to sneak in a question about your front because uh, I am curious about this. You know, in previous conversations that we've had, you know, you talked about how uh, when, when you were at, at Louisiana with, with Coach Roberts uh, there as a D.C., you guys were more of a, a read front, you know, read and attack front uh, out of your 3-4. Uh, but Coach Aranda has, has always been kind of the opposite, you know, sort of an attack and react type of front, you know, really denning the front and, and just, just wrecking, you know, wrecking havoc up there. So have you all talked about, you know, what you're going to do with your front? Are you going to be a read and react front? Uh, are you going to be attack first? How are you going to handle that uh, at Baylor? Yeah, so um, our defensive line coach is um, Dennis Johnson, uh, who was with Coach Aranda at LSU. And, um, you know, you kind of mentioned it there. You know, they were more a little bit more attack-react um, up front. 
um, especially in you know the last uh, year or two there uh, with with some of the three force games, um, and you know with the dudes that they had at LSU and, and, and some of the you know physical ability and the ability to um, um, you know dent the front and, uh, and and cause some negative negative plays and really overwhelm some of the centers in that league, um, you know then I think that was a little bit more beneficial. Um, to whereas, you know, we felt like at, at, at UL, you know, we benefited based on our personnel versus maybe some of the offensive lines that we were playing, um, you know, that, hey, read and react was, to, was kind of the way to go. And um, so, you know, right now, you know, we're, we're leaning towards a, a little bit more attack and react. And, um, you, know, um, you know, as we get through fall camp and, and, and we're going to, you know, teach, you know, both techniques. And uh, sometimes that's a little bit tough, but I think we'll end up leaning a little bit more uh, towards you know, maybe a attack react scheme. Uh, all right, you, you mentioned this earlier, and I want to ask you about it now. You know, Coach Aranda is, is known to to be really uh, creative with pressures, and and has become known for his, like you said, uh, his creepers and his simulated pressure scheme. So, can you walk us through you know, what that is and why you think that's been so effective for him? Yeah, absolutely. You know, starting off, you know, if I was going to ask an offensive coordinator or offensive line coach or, or, or even tell him, you know, hey, we're going to rush four and we're going to play seven-man drop coverage and, uh, you know, we're still going to get after the quarterback and affect the quarterback, right? They probably look at you, yeah. um, you know, like you're half crazy, right? Like, yeah. Whoa, you said you're going to rush four and you're going to play seven-man drop and you're going to get after us? Like, no, right? Yeah. Like, come on, especially if they've never – um, if they go a whole season without ever seeing a simulated pressure or uh, or a creeper, as they would say. Um, but I think that's exactly it, right? It's, um, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to do is um, we're trying to, you know, number one, uh, the guys that are typically those, those four rushers are the D linemen, you know, in most defenses. And for us, that's not always the case, especially in our pressure packages and our, our third down stuff. Um, you know, we're trying to get after you in a, in a multitude of ways and bring guys maybe um, that usually aren't rushers um, and then drop guys out, you know, to play um, to play coverage that, that usually are rushers. Um, or maybe they're aligned in those spots, um, you know, talking about a three technique, uh, a shade, and a, and a five. And, uh, but maybe they're not even really be linemen, you know, based on personnel packages. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's kind of what makes it unique, right, is uh, the fact that, you know, really we're only rushing four, but it's coming from, you know, a multitude of uh, 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 ways. And, um, and, and we're still playing, uh, you know, seven-man uh, drop coverages and, uh, you know, getting after people. So I think Coach uses the analogy, right, like uh, in Texas, man, uh, we got we got really good fajitas, right? I think everybody would agree with that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, you go get you know, uh, fajitas here in Texas. You know, you could probably get you know pretty good fajitas for ten bucks. You know, uh, beef, chicken, you know, shrimp fajitas. I mean, they got these places, um, especially you know around the Waco area, where I mean, it's pretty cheap and it's good, right? So why would I go? Um, you know, when I can find a place in Waco that maybe is selling for nine bucks or 10 bucks and uh, I can get all three. Why would I go to maybe a, a chain Mexican place, you know, that's selling them for 15, you know, man, that's, it's the same and, and not even better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, why pressure with five or six um, when I can get the same effect with four and, uh, you know, maximize my coverage. Yeah. 
So it, it, the the effectiveness comes from the deception, right? Like they don't know who is exactly coming uh, and where they're coming from and who's dropping. And so that's that's where the effectiveness comes from, right? You're making up for, you know, you're only sending four, but they don't know exactly what four is coming. That's exactly right. And, um, you know, I think also, you know, you look at it and, um, you know, before the game, I mean, you know, the week as you're breaking down the opponent, you know, a lot of times, you know, we're looking at how they call uh, protections. And, okay, if you give them a, 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 a five-man a five man look, right, if you if you give them a five-man look, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to 5-0 it, right? Yeah. Um, are they still going to try to, you know, work, drop back protection, do a zone side, man side? Like, what, what, is, what, what is it that they do? And, uh, you know, once you dictate that, um, you know, based on, uh, you know, breaking down that opponent. Okay. Well, let's, let's get after them then. Okay. Let's get them in the protection that we think we're going to get them in. And, uh, let's drop one of the guys that they think is going to be rushing. And, uh, you know, one of the guys that they're counting for maybe as a uh, coverage player, let's, let's bring him. And I think another thing, you know, going back to what's unique about it is, um, you know, what's unique about Coach Aranda in general and Coach Roberts as well is kind of the way they approach the game. And, uh, you know, they've always approached it like, hey, there's these one-on-one matchups that occur, you know, during the course of the ball game, and how can we take advantage, right, of these matchups? How can we get maybe their worst protector maybe on one of our best blitzers, one of our best rushers maybe even? Right. Yeah. Um, so even being creative from the standpoint of, hey, that guy's usually a five technique. He's our best pass rusher. Why do we got to align him at five technique and rush him off the edge? Because that's all what he's always done. Right. Yeah. yeah. What if their worst pass protector is, you know, their center or their tailback? Like, how can we get those matchups? You know what I mean? Instead of on their uh, 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 on their star ta- offensive tackle. Yeah. Um, so being creative from that standpoint and uh, really, really. Um, you know, um, I guess uh, exploiting, you know, being where you're weak yeah. taking advantage of those one-on-ones. I really like it because, you know, I know Coach Aranda, uh, you know, like a lot of college coaches, started out at a small school and, and obviously, you know, uh, is successful at all of his stops, which is why he now has, his, has the job that he has at Baylor. Uh, but to me, this concept is one that works really well at a school where maybe you are limited athletically. You know, uh, mm-hmm. because you can double train a lot of kids and, and, and just have a lot of guys, you know, who maybe aren't, you know, they can be a jack of all trades and maybe not, maybe they're not masters of one thing, but they can sort of be these tweener guys who can drop off and, and fall off, but also be really good rushers. And, and um, you know, the, the, you, make, you make a guy more valuable to your defense when he can do more than one thing. That's correct. You're exactly right, Ty. Yeah, Matt. You know, my favorite my favorite thing that you've said so far is is do more with less. And, and you know, exactly the whole point of the simulated pressures is how do I bring four guys? And and I'm get I'm getting I'm getting the same kind of effect that I'm going to get with five or six. Still be able to drop in. It's it's the same philosophy of how are you going to turn a lesser player into something? How are you going to bring a bring a lesser pressure, but it's still going to be the same effect? It's and and that's that's what what coaching comes down to is how do you, or teaching or coaching how do you turn something that's not quite there yet into a little something better and, I, and that's one of my favorite things you've said so far is how are you going to go and do more with less? That's right, and you know one of the one of the things um, 
I think that I've seen, you know, firsthand more recently is, you know, I was kind of talking about those one-on-ones um, earlier. And I think um, one of the things that sticks out in my mind is, you know, as coaches, you know, we want to put our guys in the, in, in the best position possible, you know, to be successful. Right. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, um, our really good players, you know, um, you know, how can we put them in the best uh, position, you know, to, to, to succeed and, you know, sometimes creating those one-on-one matchups where you know they're going to win, right? Um, you know, there's no there's no way that, um, hey, that running back can, can block, you know, our best pass rusher or our best blitzer who's one of our, you know, toughest kids on our defense. And, um, you know, so that's been a concept, you know what I mean, for me as a young coach, you know, kind of like, okay, you know, that's that's kind of what we need to do as coaches, put these guys in situations for them to be successful. And, yeah. And uh, I think it also puts less stress, you know, um, you know, on your secondary, on your uh, and your backers, you know, from yeah, the coverage standpoint, for sure. those guys that are in coverage. So I, I'm curious, you know, when you're practicing this stuff and going through this in practice during the week, you know, how are you covering all those skills with those guys? You know, if I am a three tech that's going to be dropping off maybe into the flats or or, into, or one of the hook zones or whatever. You know, are you, how do you, how do you cover all those skills with those guys? Or maybe I'm a, a corner or a safety that usually doesn't rush. You know, how, how do you, do you put them through like a, a circuit, you know, where they're, where they're going over different skills or how do you handle that? Yes. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of, a couple of different ways um, that we've kind of done it and kind of talking on the coverages a little bit. Um, we try to find time, you know what I mean? An individual and um, you know, whether that's a, uh, uh, you know, uh, the D lineman, you know what I mean? For, you know, just one drill, you know, uh, four or five minutes or yeah. whether that's, um, um, the, uh, the outside linebackers or, or whatever it might have you, but, but finding time, you know, maybe to, to work that once a week in individual. Um, and I think also like, uh, the coverage concepts we give those guys, right. Um, we don't ask those guys, um, we don't ask a, a ton out of them and it's always usually pretty similar or the same. Ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, usually you can say, Hey, we're running, you know, banana this week and, um, it's the same as Apple, you know, remember to Apple two weeks ago, right. It's the same as, right. So you're still, you know, the, the curl flat wheel player. And he's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Curl flat wheel. Yeah. Okay. You know, or, yeah. you know, hey, you're strong hook. Oh, yeah, you know, I got the final three. Okay, great, man, you got it, you know. And you just, you know, you work, you know, hey, I'm going to sell Rush. You know, it looks like Rush. And next thing you know, ball snap, I read hi-hat. Okay, hey, I'm dropping out of there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Chin on shoulder. You know, you make it as simple as possible um, to get what you want because I think if you get too detailed with it sometimes, you're going to get those guys all kinds of confused and, uh, we have tried the, the or we have, I say tried, we've done the coverage circuit before where it's like, hey, training camp, right? We're yeah. going to spend a uh, seven or eight minute period uh, and do a coverage circuit. And, um, you know, we have done that. And that's been good too. You know, you set up a station and you say, hey, this is the curl flat wheel or bang the buzz station, right? Hey, this is the um, strong hook, you know, station. This is the weak hook station. And you kind of drop guys. Uh, or you kind of, you know, move guys uh, around or rotate guys based on that to teach them, you know, maybe um, multiple. Or if, hey, you know right now that, hey, your field side end is only going to have one coverage responsibility um, in that circuit, well, at least he gets to see, 
maybe the DBs do it, the linebackers do it, and his position group do it. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, he gets mental reps with guys that maybe are a little bit more fluid doing some of that stuff. I think all that stuff's great. Um, but uh, uh, I guess going back to kind of the original uh, question, you know, there's multiple ways to do it. Um, and the thing I would say is, um, you, know, uh, you know, teaching it, um, you know, kind of simple times, concepts that you can rep um, from the start of training camp all the way throughout the season. Uh, that's kind of been a successful way for us. As far as the blitzing aspect goes, <laughs> um, you know, we do do a, a, a lot of walkthroughs, um, you know, five-minute walkthroughs, ten-minute walkthroughs, you know, pre-practice, and that's at the time where we walk through some of that stuff. Um, uh, uh, and then, you know, as far as, like, safeties go and, and the uh, corners go as well. Um, it's a, it's a game. It kind of goes back to like the D lineman from a coverage standpoint. If you can, if you can work a, you know, a, a three or four minute segment, you know, per week and get them a couple of reps at it, um, then great. Yeah. But, uh, a lot of that stuff ends up taking place maybe in a, a blitz pickup or maybe a, a, a team setting. You know, we could really make a whole episode just about talking about this stuff right here. <laughs> Uh, but again, I know I know my man Darby's got some stuff he wants to ask you about safeties, and and I want to hear about it too because again, you talking about, we were talking about this earlier about you know knowing uh, what everybody else is doing and and, and having a, a a firm grasp on you know all every facet of the game, and so this is definitely an area where I need to improve. So uh, let's 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 talk about some secondary play uh, okay. here now, and and uh, I'm gonna kick off the first question, then I'm gonna let Darby kind of take over after that, but. Uh, you know, as a safeties coach, how much time, if any, are you spending teaching your guys what's going on in front of them, like with the fronts or who or where blitzes are coming from? Uh, it would seem like that would be pretty pertinent information with, you know, especially if you're doing a lot of simulated pressures. But how much time are you spending on that? Yeah, so I'm spending a good bit, to be honest. Um, you know, we, we start off, you know, on every base install. It's like, okay, um, you know, hey, here's the front, right? And, you know, here's our, and here's the fits up front. Um, because I want those guys to know um, exactly, um, and I'll go kind of go back and, you know, I coach all three safeties. And so we're a three safety defense. Um, our field side um, outside linebacker is, 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 uh, is typically a DB. So that guy's in my room, you know, or the field side safety, strong safety, whatever you want to call them. And, you know, in the free safety to the boundary, those three guys, you know, are all um, in my room. So um, if it's a three-man surface to either side with a tight end in the core, you know, one of those guys is in the fit. Um, so, you know, I have to, you know, I'm responsible to go over run fits with them. Um, so that's number one. They're going to hear it from that standpoint. Uh, and then number two, you know, I think it's important to know exactly, okay, <clears throat> you know, maybe they're forced versus the run or maybe they're responsible uh, for the quarterback. Um, you know, in some of your zone read or some of your option games, right? Um, so you need to under, they need to understand who are they leveraging the football with. I think that's extremely important. Uh, and then, hey, maybe they're a stack fit player or maybe they're running the alley, right? Okay, yeah. But exactly how's that ball being fed to them? Um, or, you know, where, where do they need to be leveraging it? Um, you know, uh, if there is maybe a, a player inside of them or outside of them. Um, so I think all those things are important. I, I, I'm spending a, a good bit of time. I wouldn't say maybe uh, half the meeting, but um, definitely, a, definitely a good chunk of it 
Um, like I said, kind of at the beginning, I want to hit run first uh, and then get the pass. Uh, and then obviously spend a little bit more time from a coverage standpoint with those three guys. Just just looking at some coverage stuff, uh, you know, you know, DB coach's worst nightmare is, is you have you have perfect coverage on a guy. You're you're manned up on a guy. Uh, you might have you might have a really good zone coverage call. Um, talk to us about your teaching progression as, as far as playing the ball in the air. And, 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 but when you elaborate on that, are there any differences when you play zone or man concepts and just kind of run us through how you're teaching when the ball, when the football is in the air and how are we playing it? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the differences, you know, and you kind of said it, you know, between man and, and zone, you know, I kind of start with man, but you know, in man, you know, I tell our guys, you know, you know, we want to see it and we should see it as late as possible. Um, and the whole reason why is, you know, I, I remember hearing this, you know, when I was a player and then as a young coach on the offensive side of the ball, but if you see it thrown, you see it caught, right? And I, I think that's extremely true now being, you know, in the secondary and, and seeing it on a day-to-day basis. Um, but if you see the ball thrown, you're probably going to see it caught. If your eyes get wandering, if you're looking at the quarterback, right, you're going to see the ball caught. Um, so what we tell them in man coverage is to make sure um, you know, that their eyes are on their man, right? And um, I think, you know, now all of a sudden, okay, ball's in the air, right? Okay, well, we, we, we overemphasize looking up, okay, on deep balls especially, yeah? All right, so fade balls or, we, you know, uh, inside slot fades, right? Um, we, we know, number one, we should, be, we should be on the man, we should be in fades, we should be looking at the man, and, you know, we know that that ball is coming from up to down, Okay. So uh, ball should be coming down. I need to be looking up. And so that's kind of, um, you know, what we overemphasize there from a man coverage. Whereas if I'm in zone, right, I'm really tracking the ball. Uh, and we talk about, you know, uh, you know, breaking off the ball. Uh, um, you know, one of the things uh, that we've, we've overemphasized more recently is, hey, when we're in zone coverage and we are reading the quarterback, you know, we want to make sure um, – you know, that we're not necessarily breaking until the quarterback locks, right? We use the term lock as, hey, that back foot hits the ground, right? He's finished his drop. He's completed his drop, all right? That quarterback's locked. So where are his shoulders now? Um, because any good quarterback, right, can do a, a, a pretty decent job of, of looking off the side that he's working. So if we get antsy and all of a sudden the quarterback's in his drop and he's looking to the field and, and uh, you know, um, um, but he's really anticipating maybe throwing the, 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 the seam throw to the boundary and I'm already opening up in that direction. Oh, shoot, right? So yeah. we talk about staying square, you know, uh, until the quarterback declares. And, hey, when that quarterback declares, you know, that's when that, that leg locks. Okay, so leg locks. Okay, now, hey, I'm breaking uh, off the QB. And in those situations, I, I alluded to it earlier, you know, with playing man coverages, you know, we want to be looking up. But really, you know, if you're tracking the ball in your, you know, uh, in your zone coverages, you know, that's what you're doing. You know, you want to be looking back, um, you know, more so than looking up. So I, I would say those are kind of the main differences. And then, right. you know, to, to work some of those um, – you know, um, tracking the ball, you know, to find, because some of those guys are natural, right? Especially at the high school level or some of the guys we really get to college level too. They've been two-way players. They played receiver and they played DB. They're kind of natural at that. Mm -hmm. um, and then every now and then we'll get some of these uh, uh, players and, 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 and at both levels you do this, 
you know, you get guys and you're like, man, he's a really good safety. He's got these qualities, right? But he maybe doesn't have that ball skill quality or he doesn't track it very well. Well, we've what we've done is we've taken maybe a jugs machine, jugs machine post-practice. We've set that thing up, you know, uh, 40 yards away. Uh, and we've asked those guys like, hey, here's your starting starting point, right? Uh, which is usually only, you know, uh, five to 10 yards. So it's a, not a taxing drill at all, uh, but five or 10 yards from maybe where that ball's going to land. And we shoot that thing from the jugs, right? And it's about, hey, tracking the ball, number one, but then two, right? Can I go high point that ball now, right? And get it, you know, like I'm going to grab a rebound. No, I, I really like that because, uh, I mean, that's you're looking at recruiting or you're looking at evaluating some of your own players. That's something that definitely comes up is is you you look at a guy's ball skills, just just the general ability to play the ball, and it's 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 often an overlooked, I think, or an undercoached concept. Is just you look at you look at coaching in the defensive backfield, and it's like you you kind of expect some some athletes to be able to go play the football, and it's something that not a lot of guys can do can do naturally. It's it's something that definitely has to be coached. So. I think those are some, some great insights as far as playing the football in the air in, in zone and man coverages. Um, you know, kind of kind of moving forward on that same t- type of topic, um, talk to us a little bit about your, your philosophies on, on man coverage in general um, and, and how, you, how you look at playing safeties in man coverage, uh, talking about leverages, talking about different kind of techniques, um, and, and if that changes, whether where, where you might have some help, whether that's in the middle of the field or whether you might be playing a two-man type of concept, um, just looking at, at man coverage in general. Yeah, so, um, you know, we start off, you know, by giving them divider rules as far as, you know, what their leverage is going to be. And, um, you know, at the college level, you know, we basically say, um, you know, if, hey, ball's in the middle of the field, then it's plus two outside the hash. If, you know, ball's on a hard hash, then it's minus two inside the hash. That would be maybe his divider rule, per se. Um, and I guess, you know, maybe the um, that would be the generic, like, starting point, general rule, right? But, you know, then we kind of get into more, okay, hey, where is our where is our help at? Exactly like you alluded to. And that's what a lot of it's based off of. So if you get, you know, uh, let's say we're in a robber concept where we have a low hole player and a post safety. uh, And I know that I have a low hole player. Well, anything uh, for us that's maybe on that divider or just slightly, um, you know, outside that divider, um, we're still probably going to play outside leverage. Uh, Because we know in that situation that we have that low player, you know, for for help. Uh, So we really emphasize maybe in those coverages like, hey, it's outside leverage until, you know what I mean, Uh, until he really extends his split, you know, at the slot receiver position. Um, And then, you know, as far as maybe you're just in a true cover one, you got no low hole help. Yeah. Um, You know, we would like, you know, still stay outside leverage and funnel that guy to the post safe. Um, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to tell that guy, um, that, uh, you know, if, uh, if, if he gets a wide enough split, then, Hey, we, we can move inside and, and, uh, you know, hopefully on a, on a vertical stem, we can switch outside leverage or switch hips late. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's definitely one of those things that, things that's a, it's a it's an art and a science there's there's a there's a gray area to it and there's a there's there's definitely some some give and take on it because if that if that slot receiver gets out by the numbers Baylor like old school Baylor splits 
you're, you're not going to play outside of that guy anymore. That's and, right. You know, so there's def there's definitely some some gray area there. And just just another kind of thing on 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 the man covered side of things, as far as far as the safety and, and their technique, are are you are you catching your safeties? Are you are you playing them in kind of a pedal or kind of a scooch technique? Um, mm-hmm. And just thoughts on that because you know that's something that I think corners you can go and talk about all kinds of different techniques that you can play with a corner and man coverage, but how, I think that's one of the big debates in safety play is. How do you go play your safeties in man coverage? Yeah, no doubt. Um, and that's something that, you know, I'm always trying to research and find different ways as well. Um, but I would say, you know, um, what we are right now is we're kind of a, 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 a scooch to man, right? And, right. Um, you know, what that means is, hey, you, we're usually going to be five yards off the slot. And uh, we use two terms, and uh, we basically say if we're inside leverage, we call it an inch. And then if we're outside leverage, we call it a scooch. But essentially, it's the same thing, right? Um, but, um, you know, the main thing is, you know, when we're, in, when we're in a scooch and we're in man coverage, you know, we want to lose ground grudgingly. Um, that's kind of what I tell those guys. Um, and then, you know, losing ground grudgingly means I, I don't want to be fast out of that scooch. I just kind of want to delay right um you know that that, that receiver stem um because you know the receiver's being taught on the other side hey get on his toes get on his toes get on his toes and yeah. i think sometimes maybe in, in in catch man right he knows where you're standing so he knows what he gets to you know um you know where, he where your to toes are that move. that's exactly right um so if you can make that kind of a moving spot to stay on top of the route and then all of a sudden he's got to make that move you know, while you're still on top, okay, that kind of buys you time a little bit, um, you know what I mean, to uh, to get big, to get square, to get in front. And those are kind of the terms we use from a catch standpoint. And, uh, you know, we got some guys, man, They, I mean, they can scooch, right, or inch, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, and, and uh, they're really good at it. And then we got some guys, you know what I mean, who just feel more comfortable just catching. And, right. um, you know, I'm not trying to – to fit that, uh, that that square peg in that round hole, right? I'm trying to, you know, make sure that hey, if if, if that's what you're good at, brother, now we're gonna, you know, we're gonna teach it this way. But hey, if you're a little bit better at doing it that way, then hey, I'm good with you leaning in that direction, and and uh, we'll give you opportunities to drill that too. Um, so giving them two t- tools in their tool bag and saying, hey, we can scooch to catch, or we can catch. That's prim- or just catch. That's primarily kind of what we've done. Uh, but you know, when we, when we catch, you know, again, you know, get big, you know, get square, stay in front. Um, and I've always used the term like, uh, uh, deliver a charge, right? So I'll show them a video clip and, and I use it so much. I had to find Duke doing it. You know, I said like those Duke basketball players, cause when I was growing <laughs> up with like coach K, like that was a big deal. They had when just I was a playing. bunch of casual guys. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I'm playing basketball, you know what I mean, in middle school and early on in high school. And, you know, our basketball coach is always referring to them. So it's like stuck and ingrained in my mind. Like Duke basketball is the ones that take charges. So I had to like actually pull a clip up of, you know, and, and uh, you know, put it on our video system and uh, show our guys, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. But what are they doing, right? This guy's moving his feet right in front. He's getting big. He's getting square. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's that contact. Obviously, we don't want to fly back like that guy just did, you know, to the ground. 
Um, but they kind of get the picture as far as moving their feet in front and hitting that thing square on so they could get that call. Um, well, we're trying to get in front, you know, square that guy up so we can take steam off the bow. Um, so, um, yeah, I guess, you know, in general, that's kind of, that's kind of right. teaching. And I, I, I really like how you, you talked about not fitting a square peg into the round hole and, and you kind of got, you kind of answered my next question, which was going to be, does it, does it change by the type of player you're coaching? And, and, and you, you answered it to a T is if, if you, if you've got that bigger banger type of safety guy that could go handle and go, or go play a catch technique um, and, and occupy a lot of space and move his feet, then that's probably what he's going to play. Whereas if you've got a more finesse type of player, that's probably going to be more of your guy that's going to scooch your inch back. Um, and, and, and making the, making the technique fit the player, I think is, is definitely going to get the most out of your defense and the most out of your man coverage. Um, my, my next question um, is just t- talk to us a little bit about uh, like how, how you're teaching safety run fits. And, and you kind of alluded on this earlier a little bit with, with how you're teaching kids what's going on in front of them. But, um, is, is, are your safety run fits going to be something that are more generalized? You talked about alley fits, you talked about being a force player. Um, or are they going to be something that's more specific to certain calls? Or, you know, am I the alley player in this coverage or to this front, or am I the force player to this coverage of this front? Just kind of some, some general rules or some insights, uh, on, on your safety run fits. Yeah. So, um, you know, like let's say, you know, when we're in our three-four system, um, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, to the boundary, um, we're in situations where maybe that boundary outside linebacker, you know, he's what kind of we call our, our box player, right? He's kind of like that contained player to the boundary. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, he's part of our coverage to the boundary. Maybe he's not activated as our rusher. Um, so kind of an example there is this, okay, they line up in a three-man surface with the tight end. He could be on the ball. He could be off the ball, whatever. But if they're going to create maybe an extra gap, um, you know, with that tight end over there on that side of the ball, he's going to stay outside of it, right? Um, so from that standpoint, um, you know, our safety to the boundary, right? Well, if he's in the run fit, um, you know, we're, we're typically going to ask that guy, um, you know, hey, to flat foot that thing. Right. Because why? We don't need him losing ground. You know what I mean? And and, right. and, and then coming out of the and he's got a slower player than a tight end. That's exactly right. Um, where, hey, even if he does have him vertical, you know what I mean? Uh, he should be able to match, you know, skill matches right there from that standpoint. Um, so typically, like in those situations right there, you know, hey, when we're flat foot, we're, you know, we're, hey, we're part of the fit. Um, you know, typically, you know, um, you know, and maybe an inside gap, an A, B or C gap. And like, that's a, that's a prime example right there where, Hey, we're fitting in the C gap, you know, if the Y blocks out, um, we need to be, um, you know, more 10 than 12 and we need to flat foot that thing. And we need to be ready to, to pull our trigger on low hat. Um, usually tell those guys, you know, hold, you know, until you know, right. So we don't want to be screaming up and get the RPO thrown right by whizzed right behind our head. Um, so, Hey, you know, hold, you know, until, you know, and then, Hey, once you know, you know, get ready to leverage the ball and we're, you know, a little bit lever spill lever, you know, with what we're teaching, maybe the, the safeties and the backers or, you know, the backers in general. Um, so I try to explain, you know, that terminology, uh, with them, what it means to, you know, actually, um, you know, spill the ball, what it actually means, you know, to leverage the ball. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm kind of, um, uh, 
you know, a, a dual teacher, I guess you could say, uh, you know, I coached the special teams too at Baylor. So I try to uh, incorporate those same uh, terms. But so we're talking, you know, two out of three phases of the game, we're talking about leverage a lot, right? And my left shoulder leverage and my right shoulder leverage and my inside leverage or outside leverage. So, um, you know, exactly kind of teaching those concepts to those guys, exactly what that means. Um, so they know, hey, who's inside of them spilling the ball to them? Who are they leveraging the ball with, et cetera? Um, I think those that's kind of generalized, you know, um, as far as, um, you know, where they're fitting in the fronts. And, you know, there's other examples, um, you know, maybe when they're the force player, right? We got a, um, a two-man surface and, hey, that five technique is the C-gap player, you know what I mean? Uh, specifically, right? But hey, their outside is forced maybe in the D gap if a if a, a, a three man surface is created by a Y. Um, let's say that never happens, right? Well, you still got if the backs to you the the, the 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 zone read option concept with the quarterback, or maybe even the speed option, right? Um, so you know that force player being the safety, right? He's basically um, you know outside the quarterback, but he's that he's that pitch player or um, hey, if it's zone read, okay, well then guess who he is? He's the quarterback player. So explaining that to the, those guys as well um, and, um, you know, teaching those general concepts. Right, and I think I think that's something that is great that you've alluded to is just the, the general concepts and the carryover from, from your special teams to your defense, especially you're talking with, with high school coaches, is how much time do we really have to spend on special teams and teach and run fits is now if I could teach the same kid on kickoff punt, um, how he's going to fit to those units as he is going to fit on defense. And, and there'd be some kind of carry over there. I, I, I mean, I think it's critical. It's, it's going to be the same thing at division one uh, in any level of football. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's, that's awesome. Um, and, and again, you, you've kind you've kind of uh, got, got ahead of me again on my next question. Cause I <laughs> kind of answered this one. So, uh, looking at, you know, how you play your safeties and, and it could be situational, um, which you've kind of alluded to is, you know, zone concept, man concept, but, you know, most likely maybe more of a zone concept. Are you more of a, a, a backpedal guy or, or, or teach flat footed uh, as far as the safety safeties go? Um, and, and you've kind of alluded to this already is how that that could be something that's more of a situational thing, which I love because I, that's kind of my philosophy on it as well. So go ahead and hit us with that as far as back, teaching backpedal or teaching teaching flat footed safeties. Yeah. So, um, you know, if we're if we're part of the run fit, um, you know, then we're, we're typically going to flat foot that thing. I have another example. Let's say they um, they are a quarterback run team or they are an option team. That would be another scenario where maybe, hey, um, you know, we're maybe secondary force or, 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 or stack fit out on the edge. Um, that's maybe another scenario where we want to flat foot that thing by game plan. Um, we're typically – um, and, and what I mean by that is this, and I'm really kind of more alluding to some of the one high stuff, right? Um, so like if we're playing a, a post safety coverage and I'm talking to that free safety, right? Uh, and some of your quarterback run uh, teams and, and um, you know, Georgia Southern pops in my mind immediately. And I know a lot of high schools in Texas, um, you know, especially in East Texas. Uh, uh, Flexbone. Uh, some, 
that's exactly right, right? Yeah. Um, where the ball, ball may, may not be going in the air quite a bit. Um, well, hey, now all of a sudden, you know, we're going to ask that post safety, you know what I mean, uh, to come out of the roof. So what, what, what are we really, really backpedaling that guy for? Um, but typically, if he's not in the fit, um, you know, then we'll slow pedal uh, that guy or walk out, um, you know, on the snap, um, you know, to keep that guy on top of the defense in that way. Um, I think down and distance, obviously, you know, has something to do with that, the situation right. in the game, maybe even the field zone, right? I don't, I don't want that guy backpedaling, you know, when the when the ball's being snapped on third and goal from the six-yard line, <laughs> right. um, uh, or, or, you know. But, but um, you know, in saying that, um, you know, those are probably the primary situations. And then one, one other thing, Darby, you know, we were talking about um, just a second ago, um, and you were talking about maybe the verbiage like, well, the carryover, right, defensively, and the general concept carryover between defense and special teams. And this is kind of something I wanted to share a little bit too, because um, I love, you know, you know, uh, being a, you know, football in general. But you know, I, I feel like I'm kind of, um, you know, or I try to be student of the game, right? And I go to some clinics and I listen to a bunch of different speakers on all different types of levels. And I hear all these great buzzwords, right? And I love them. And I'm like writing them down. I'm like, man, that's awesome. Love that buzzword. But all of a sudden, he's saying something that maybe we already got, right? And the, that term or that buzzword, right, already has carryover on our team, right? Our defensive coordinator uses it. Our safeties coach uses it. Our linebackers coach uses it. So why would I try to replace that word with a new term? on special teams and all of a sudden use that new term. So now the kids have to learn what this means and that means when I can keep that same term and it means the exact same thing. And I can take a defensive player and say, Hey, bro, on this, you know what I mean? Uh, you're the box player. And he's like, Oh shoot. That's what I am. He's like, yeah. He's like, oh, that's easy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm the contain player. Or, hey, same thing with techniques, right? Um, hey, if you call it a button run, you know what I mean, at inside linebacker, right? And great. Okay, let's call it that on coverage. If you call it Cajun run, let's call it that on coverage, you know, but whatever striking uh, or two gap in a player means, you know, in your defensive terms, why not carry that over? Right. Um, so I think that's really beneficial. That's something where in the last couple of years, you know what I mean, uh, I've seen that really, really be effective. Uh, the more offensive and defensive terms that you can carry over uh, into that um, special teams phase of the game. Yeah, and I think I think a little bit of that is is kind of throwing some pride out and throwing a little bit of, hey, I came up with this out of the window and saying, hey, let's all get on <laughs> let's all get on the same page and kind of teach it the same way. I think there's there's definitely part of that too. Oh, absolutely. There's no question. We can't be too prideful sometimes. Exactly. Hey Matt, a couple uh, special teams questions for you while we're while we're on that subject. You know, you, we talked about uh, kind of back at the beginning of this conversation about coaches putting uh, equal emphasis on all uh, facets of the game, and sometimes special teams can be can be sort of the 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 third in line as far as you know time devoted to it and and that sort of thing. But how do you make special teams? something where those guys have pride in it and it's something they really want to be a part of and actually hope that they get to be on as opposed to just, oh, man, I'm on kickoff return or I'm on I'm on punt block or, or whatever. Right. Well, I think number one um, is it starts at the top, 
for hate. And a lot of people, when I say that term, they think, okay, it starts with the special teams coordinator. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> it starts with the head coach. Yeah. So number one, right, um, is you know hopefully it understands you know the importance of special teams, right? Yeah. And um, you know I think the guys that I worked for, especially more recently, have been very very successful because they understand that and put an extreme emphasis on it, right? They make special teams maybe the first meeting of the day or they talk about it in team meetings uh, relentlessly or, you know, they, they glorify it, you know, uh, post-game, you know, what we've done in those facets or phases of the game, but that's kind of what I'm talking about. Now, if, if that's not what you're, you know, if that's not what I'm working for, then here's what I got to, got to do. Cause we talk about it all the time, especially teams, guys, or special teams coordinators, then you have to, have to sell the culture, you know what I mean, to your players. Well, back up. You know, I, I just said that there's a missing piece. Your head coach maybe isn't on board, right? So you've got to use that same energy to sell it to him, right? And, um, you know, I haven't been in that situation yet, but um, I've always stopped my mind, okay, what if, right? What if? And I think that's what I would have to do is I would really have to try hard uh, in, in my power maybe to uh, sell that, that that culture to him that way, okay, I got buy-in from him, I got him kind of leading, or maybe just put him in positions, right? Say, hey, coach, you know what I mean? At the end of the practice, can you mention this regarding special teams? Or, hey, in this team meeting, can you mention this, right? So at least they hear him talking about it because if the head coach is talking about it, they know it's important, Yeah, yeah. all right? Then the next thing is, in my opinion, right, uh, is selling that importance to the players. So I'll always show them the old school, you know, field graphic of, hey, zero to 20 yard line, you know, balls, uh, 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 drive start is, is, is there in this uh, window. You know, what's the percentage of scoring, right? And then as you work down the field, how it increases or you work uh, more so backed up, how it decreases to try to explain that to them and then give them examples, right? You tell them, you say, hey, if Ty Taylor runs down there and tackles that guy inside the 20-yard line, now all of a sudden uh, Darby's coming out there, man, and, and, and on defense and, and they have a 95% chance of not scoring. And then they're like, okay, you know, you're kind of putting them, putting them in the picture. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, the last thing, in my opinion, is, man, you got to make it fun. I mean, that's just my experience. And, um, you know, I think being creative there to make it fun, um, whether that's, you know, making the drill, one, number one, making the drill work fun, uh, number two, um, you know, making the meetings fun, uh, and all that, you know, can be a challenge. It can be a challenge, right? But, um, as coaches, right, you know, we should love challenges. We should enjoy challenges. And that should get us that should get us fired up. Uh, so the most energy that we can bring, you know what I mean, towards special teams and the most buy-in that we can have, not only from our head coach, but it's got to be from, from uh, our assistants as well. Um, it's got to be from everybody involved. Um, I think that's key. And, 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 and part of me that wants to ask this is just looking at your bio and, and kind of your background is, and, and, and you alluded to it. I mean, walk-on guy that turns into a into a team leader turns into a all-conference guy is that doesn't happen by accident. Um, and, and, and I'm assuming that a lot of those same qualities that are in yourself, and this is a huge compliment. A lot of those same qualities you find in yourself. What do you look for in the ideal special teams guy 
when a guy is going to go down on Baylor, the Baylor Bears special teams for you guys this year, um, or go out on that field, what do you, what kind of, what are the main qualities you're kind of looking for in that kind of guy? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm looking for an extremely hard worker. Um, I'm looking for a heart. I'm looking for hustle. Uh, I'm looking for somebody um, that's selfless and will do absolutely anything for the team. Um, you know, I'm looking for, for those types of guys, foxhole guys, you know, that's kind of what I call them, right? I mean, yeah. you think about, you know, hey, I'm going to dig a foxhole and I'm back in, you know, um, you know, early 1900s, you know, whoever it is, right? But who, who's somebody that, hey, if I laid my head down for a couple of hours, you know, uh, that's back to back with me, who can I count on? Who can I trust? I think those are the type of types of guys. And I was um, uh, exposed to a very, very neat um, uh, concept uh, a few years ago, uh, talking to a, a, a fellow coach in the profession. And he said, you know, the number one thing that I do every offseason is I list, list every player on our roster, right? And I give a one to three scale on trust, and a one is I, I can't flat out trust him. He misses yeah. this. He misses that. Um, you know what I mean? Um, um, he's not accountable whatsoever. Um, we are constantly on him, and he is constantly on the list, right? That is a one, right? A three would be, man, that guy ain't ever on the list. Hey, he's early to meetings. He's on time. He takes care of his stuff, man. I mean, he's holding other teammates accountable. Um, he is on top of it, right? He's everything you want in a player. And then a two is maybe um, those guys um, that, hey, they got no reason necessarily to be a one. Uh, they're not quite a three. They're anywhere in between. That would be a two. And he said on special teams, you know, you got one play to be perfect. You don't got a fifth down. You don't got a sixth down. So if somebody screws up and lets you down on special teams, you know what I mean? That's a that's a game-changing play right there um, that you don't want to happen in a negative way. So you need as many threes to fill your units as possible, right? And when you don't have threes, you know what I mean? You need to fill it up with twos. And then lastly, you better not have a single one on there because if you do, all right. All it takes is that one guy to screw it up. Right. And even if it's a missed block, right. Let's say it's a missed block at the point of attack and that guy's down there in the returner's face and bad stuff's about to happen. So that, that's a, that's a, that's an opportunity right there for a game changing play. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking for. And, um, you know, lastly, I'll kind of finish this on this is, um, you know, I, I, I think there's, um, a philosophy out there, or a you know that you gotta have your your starters and your team captains on there, right? All right, that's kind of one extreme. Like that, all we need all of our best players on there. So our starting running back, our starting receiver, our starting this, our starting that. Okay, and I get it. You know that's that's great. I'd rather have that than the opposite. And then there's the other extreme where it's like, hey, those last eleven protect players, them all. Yeah, there's a, those last 11 players that made the bus on varsity, those guys need to be on special teams. Oh, shit, right? <laughs> those last, those last that's 11. That's where you're quitting your job. That's exactly right. Um, and I don't I, – I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not of either. I guess I would – Reality's in between. 
That's exactly right. Um, so you'll look on our units, and hey, if it's 11 walk-ons, it's 11 walk-ons, man. If it's 11 starters, it's 11 So they're 11 threes. That's right. They're 11 threes, and they're 11 guys that are maybe the best at their specific position because I think there is some spots on special teams, right, where you're asking a guy to do something that maybe isn't quite um, – um, um, you're maybe asking them to do a job that maybe isn't quite realistic um, right. to, 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 to football per se. You don't, yeah. you don't want your starting linebacker, you know, back in the old days, you don't want your starting linebacker to go break the wedge. <laughs> That's exactly right. If, yeah. if he doesn't have to go do that 10 times a game, you'd yeah. rather have your Johnny go blow it up for me, please. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want Ray Lewis right now on kickoff. <laughs> hey, speaking of kickoff, man, I'm curious um, to get your, your your take on this, especially as a special teams coordinator. Did you, did you get to watch any of the XFL this year? And if so, uh, what did you think about some of their special teams rules, and in particular the kickoff? You know, I, I watched it, and, uh, you know, to be honest, man, I thought it was – if that's the way that, that, that uh, special teams in general in college football, NFL, and high school, if that's the way it ends up going, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that bad um, based on what I saw. Um, it's still one-on-one. still incorporating the kicking game. Um, and, I, you know, there, there, there was a part of me that actually, you know, that, that, uh, that liked it, that enjoyed watching it. Um, and I think the one thing that it overemphasized, like I, I already kind of alluded to, is those one-on-one matchups. And really, I think that's what special teams is about, right? It's 11 individual matchups out on the field, right? And whoever wins the most of those is probably going to have a successful play. Yeah. Unless they just got Devin Hester type right back Right, there. right. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I, mean, I thought it was good. Now, would I, would I want it to go that way? No. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Yeah. I I I, I love the full speed contact and maybe that's the old fullback linebacker in me. Yeah, but, yeah. I uh, mean, I love guys, you know, running down there full speed and and uh, you know, getting in on action. I mean, um, but I understand it's the part of the game that everybody's um, concerned with right now with yeah. the way things are, you know, going from a uh, safety standpoint. Um, but um, I will say this, you know. Um, over the last, uh, you know, two years at Louisiana Lafayette, you know, we have had zero concussions on, on kickoff, and you know, we were, um, you know, top, top, uh, uh, tw- uh, I guess we finished twelfth in the country last year in kickoff coverage. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're not going going down there, um, you know, or giving any, or getting concussions. I, I guess we we very possibly could have gave concussions. I'm not I'm not 100 sure on that. <laughs> <laughs> can either confirm or deny yeah we get it yeah yeah I, I think it's definitely better than than just starting with the you know giving the ball the, the ball to the offense on the 25 um, and 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 kudos those guys for thinking outside the box you know and trying to figure yeah. some stuff out especially with the you know the no extra points um you know mm-hmm. with, with them making the offense go for it so I thought that was that stuff was interesting yeah uh, I don't think anything you know, can replace the, the the kickoff the way that it is, and that is such an exciting play in football. But you know, the way they those guys had it, you know, I thought it was still an exciting play, uh, definitely different, uh, but still still a good job I thought of them at least trying to come up with an alternative way than as opposed to just giving the the ball to the offense. Um, you know, a couple wrap up questions for you as we get ready to close this thing out, Matt. 
Uh, first yeah. of all, you know, the kind of the, the topic that's on the forefront of everybody's minds uh, is this is this quarantine and this national pandemic that we're all uh, going through right now. You know, I'm just curious. You're, you're at, a, at a brand new spot. You know, you're you're in Waco for about a month before all this stuff went down. You know, Coach Aranda's got a brand. Everybody's new there. It's in a completely new, a new staff. Uh, so what are you guys doing? Uh, how are you handling this? What are some creative ways you're, you're uh, staying in touch with your, with your players and with your recruits? Just how are you guys handling this, this unique time? Yeah, so we've obviously um, really leaned right on technology a bunch, you know, more recently. Um, you know, and, you know, we're talking about, you know, Zoom app and, and, and virtual meetings and, um, things of that nature. So I'll just kind of give you an example or kind of walk you through a week and, and this would probably help and, and, and probably be the quickest. But, um, you know, for me on a, um, you know, Sunday night, you know, what I've been doing the last couple of weeks is kind of relaying the message to, to my players and saying, hey, reminder, tomorrow starts the week, you know, just to kind of let them know like, hey, um, this is no different than us, you know, being on campus right now. And, um, you know, because we're there's they still have online classes, right? And and uh, we're still gonna install our, uh, our our football, you know, just like we would if they were here. Yeah. So, um, you know, I kind of shoot them a reminder text in the evening. Monday morning, um, we have a wake up call. You know, so at 8 a.m., um, I'm either FaceTiming those guys, calling those guys. Um, you know, and and what I've done more recently is I've had like uh, you know, so I got them in the uh. A group text and so i'll do a group face uh, facetime deal which i didn't even realize until this deal to this uh whole corona uh, episode i didn't realize this was possible but it's like literally like 10 guys you know i mean logging on facetime and uh, at the same time and so whoever doesn't pick up the phone all right well you know they're not up right um you know so the other guys are like man where's jt at right now you know what i mean and so yeah. they're all calling him texting him trying to get his butt up out of bed wearing him out yeah um so that kind of starts the day uh, from a player standpoint, and then I'll kind of get back to what they're doing uh, here in a second. But uh, then I'll I'll go and on Mondays we we we've, we've had uh, uh, staff meetings, you know, uh, uh, via uh, you know the Zoom app online, and and we'll get on there and we'll talk about the week in general, just like we always would. We'll go through a, a, a weekly routine, what we're going to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. From a recruiting standpoint, from a what we need to be asking out of our players, we'll talk about nutrition. We'll talk, you know, that, that those have typically been like hour-long meetings for us, and um, probably run a little bit longer than what they usually would. We talk academics. The academic people are in the meeting as well, and then we roll um, and get on about our day. Um, so right now, what we're doing is twice a week we're having installs with our players. Um, so we're asking those guys basically to log on. Um, um, in the afternoon on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and, and we're going through uh, a special teams meeting, which is uh, 20 minutes long, um, and we're also going through a 40-minute position meeting with them. So that's taking place on Tuesdays and Thursdays with those guys. And, um, we've gotten creative. You know, we've sent out, um, um, you know, your, your pictures of your installs, you, maybe your pictures of um, your coverage adjustments versus clusters or bunch, your your you know, your pictures like that, or maybe um, a video, a clip of, uh, you know, Von Miller on a certain pass rush move and send it, you know, uh, to all the D linemen. Hey, this is the move of the day, 
right? Yeah. Um, but as coaches, just trying to get creative, whether you find it on YouTube or you find it, you know, um, you know, stacked in some DVD pile that you have, but whatever, right? Or maybe you found it online. Um, and just, just trying to uh, get those guys better throughout the day. But they still have those, you know, three-hour, four-hour time slots where they're working on academics. They got their uh, – tutoring they're 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 studying for uh, exams and whatnot and their mentor meetings and all that kind of kind of stuff so that's kind of where we're at right now and i'm getting long-winded so i'll kind of cut it short but um basically leaning on technology quite a bit yeah and and i mentioned this last week in our our, our episode with uh we had coach ricky coon who's the head coach at dodge city community college uh talking to him and and as how he's handling it as a head coach and you know, we made the point that there is no, there is no precedence for this. There is no script that you can follow. Uh, that everybody's trying to just do what's best for their program and how they see fit. And and it's just a, uh, it's just a strange thing. And and uh, but yeah, definitely, you know, relying heavily on on technology. And and I think that's you know just trying to make the the most of a of a unique situation is really all you can do. That's exactly right. You know. Um... You know, we, I, I think, you know, one of my favorite quotes of all time, you know, is, you know, hard times don't last, or I'm sorry, tough times don't last, but uh, tough people do. <clears throat> and uh, I think that's relevant, you know, to this time, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this isn't going to last forever, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, hey, you know, we buck up right now, and, and um, you know, especially from a football standpoint, there's a lot lot going on for our student athletes and uh you know it's a little bit tougher but how can we adapt and and and, uh and still grow as as students as athletes as players in general and then and as coaches right um you know i'm learning every day you know how to overcome overcome these uh new situations and um and and find ways to still reach my players and find ways to to still get better um obviously new ways yeah, I mean, because, you know, we're used to having those guys um, having access to them on a daily basis, um, you know, where they're in the hallways or, <clears throat> you know, they're in the meeting rooms with us. But um, um, it's definitely new and it's challenging. But, um, you know, I, I love a good challenge. And, um, you know, I, I, I think the way we attack it and the mindset and attitude that we have right now is really important. Okay, Matt, um, just looking at it, who, who are some coaches you feel like, uh, do a great job coaching up their kids, but maybe don't get the kind of spotlight or recognition or credit that, that they should? That's a really good question. Uh, I would say on the college level, one guy that sticks out to me that uh, probably maybe is unfamiliar a little bit in the in the state of Texas, <clears throat> but isn't too far from you guys is, uh, is Patrick Tony. Um, you know, at Louisiana Lafayette. Um, he's a guy, in my opinion, that is a, a, a tremendous young football coach. And, um, you know, some of those, um, you know, guys that we talked about earlier, like what made them great head coaches, like it's, it's something that makes him a great young coach. Um, you know, I think he does have an expertise, you know, of, of what um, he knows the ins and outs of, you know, and that would probably be secondary play. Um, but he's a great defensive mind in general. Um, he's a student of the game that knows a lot about um, uh, football in general. Uh, special teams and and offensive uh, schemes uh, because of how hard he works at it. 
Um, and he's somebody that I, I respect in this profession and I think is a rising star and, and somebody that, um, um, you know, I think it's a treat to talk to if you got the chance to, uh, to pick his brain as far as uh, football goes. Right. Um, and I, I've, I've actually, I'm, I'm glad we, we got to talk about this one because I, I've heard a lot of good things before I talked to you about this guy. So if, I, if I'm hearing it from multiple sources, this guy might be a gem. Well, Darby, yeah. you're excited because he he's a he's a uh, fellow SoCal guy, right, Darby? Yeah, he's a he's Poway. He's 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 probably from 20 minutes from where I grew up. Yeah, so y'all could go <laughs> yeah, lo- y'all could go longboard together or something. Yeah, we can go skateboard and hang out together. <laughs> he, he ain't no Huntsville Hornet. I no, uh, uh-uh, no, uh-uh. Yeah, we're we're from we're we're all from different ends of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else, Matt? You know, one guy that I was really uh, – or two guys I was really impressed with, uh, you know, kind of uh, most recently kind of recruiting the Houston area, um, you know, was always really impressed with Joe Price um, at North Shore um, as a receivers coach um, and what he did. You know, I watched a lot of practices there uh, recruiting some of those guys. And, uh, you know, Joe recently I think has, has made the jump, you know, the college level. He's at UTSA now. I think he's more of a recruiting role. But knowing Joe um, as far as what type of guy he is, man, he's a, um, uh, he's, a, he's a guy that's a student of the game also and takes a lot of pride in what he does. Um, he's one that's always stood out to me as far as uh, um, his work ethic and, um, you know, his attention to detail and, and how he's uh, – uh, maybe gotten his players, you know, to to, to, to buy in, and and uh, and uh, I, I've just really been impressed with the guy. Well, now Matt, you got me smiling because Joe uh, is a, he's a fellow Harding Bison. He and I uh, were teammates up at Harding, and uh, and yeah, I, I would agree with you. Uh, love love talking with Joe, and and he does do an outstanding job, and and there's a reason why. You know he's been nabbed by two different, uh, you know, Division One schools in, in the last two seasons, um, and and yeah, I, I would agree he does a great job, and that's cool that that you've identified that, and you know he's someone we have in common that we 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 haven't talked about Joe, uh, you know, in, in in previous conversations, but that's interesting that you would bring him up. Well, Matt, man, I, I, it has just been an absolute blast talking with you, and and I know that uh, I know Darby's excited. You know he will. Uh, He's, I'm, he's a, probably, I'm about to go start reading books about playing safety. Well, I mean, <laughs> Darby's got his grease board at his apartment there filled up, I'm sure. And, it, you know, again, we just are so thankful, especially, man, again, coming on your birthday. Uh, you know, but I, I guess I guess this is the, the second this is, you know, the second best thing to, to get to go out on your birthday. Uh, not like we any of us can go out anyway. But, but man, just really appreciate you uh, coming on and and uh, just just pouring uh, everything you got into this and, and really had a lot of fun. So thanks so much for talking with us. Guys, I wouldn't want to spend my birthday anywhere else than talking to KYPD. <laughs> Come, Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you got to say that again. He's got to say that again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Would, I wouldn't want to spend my birthday anywhere else than talking with you guys on, on a KYPD podcast. Wow, well, man. Hey, that I'm going to put that like on the uh, – uh, <laughs> on some kind of review or something, you know. Just really appreciate it, and I want to wish you and, and, and the Baylor Bears the best of luck uh, this next season. Absolutely, yeah, Matt, man. happy birthday, man. That was that was an awesome talk, man. I appreciate you guys a bunch. I really, really do. Thank you all for having me. Man, a big shout-out to Coach Pallage. 
taking time to uh, talk to us on his birthday, no less. So please, hey, show that man some love on Twitter. Give him a follow, at Coach Pallage. Uh, his last name is P-O-W-L-E-D-G-E. So give him a follow, at Coach Pallage. Darby, great job today, man. I mean, if you ever get tired of coaching ball, I think you definitely have a career in, in like, broadcasting or something. I, I appreciate it. appreciate it. I learned from the best. Yeah. <laughs> So, so Darby, what did you think, uh, just real quick, about what what uh, Coach Pallage had to say today? You know, I thought I thought Coach Pallage did an awesome job. Some of the things that highlighted to me were were the carryovers, as how how you're going to carry over your special teams to your defense to your offense, um, especially you know for guys like us that have a lot of two way players, and then those players are then playing on special teams as well. Um, how do you get those guys that are on three possible, you know, playing three possible different positions? To, to be on the same page. Um, and the other thing I, th- I, I really liked about that Coach College said was, was doing more with less is, yeah, is yeah. how are you going to be able to get this, this player or maybe this scheme that, that we could turn that into a little bit more. Uh, and that was like kind of in a simulated pressures type of type of conversation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I, I love that concept of the simulated pressures. And, and again, like you said, getting more with less and, and, uh, you know, teaching these guys, you know, multiple skills and, and allowing them to, to to affect the game in more than just the traditional ways and, and thinking outside the box and not being afraid right. to be creative. I thought that was a pretty cool concept. Hey, Darby, if guys want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, Twitter or, or my cell phone, uh, 619-518-4934. Or Twitter is, uh, I think it's uh, Coach Darby. Okay. All right. Well, Darby, you got to be careful about putting your number out on this thing, man. There are chicks that listen to this, and you are a yeah, man. You are yeah, you are I'm spoken not, I'm for. Not anymore. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, and we won't jump into that. But uh, anyway, uh, hey, y'all go give Coach Darby a follow. And he gave you a cell phone number, so hit him up. Maybe you know, shoot him a text or something. Call him at all hours of the night. I mean, we all got time on our hands, so uh, he, the, the chances of him picking up are pretty good. But uh, also, you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Taylor fifty three, and of course, you should be following our show on Twitter as well, and that's at KYPD Podcast. Our quote of the day from Coach Pallage is this, and you heard him talk about this. You heard him mention this in the in the episode, but it's tough times don't last. But tough people do. And I thought that's a great quote, uh, especially in light of what we all are, are enduring right now in our country with the, uh, with the quarantine. And, and so that's just a great thing to think about uh, as, we, um, as we are dealing with this, uh, this adversity uh, in our country right now. And that will do it for this episode of KYPD. Be sure to check back in with us next week for episode 55, where we talk with a defensive line coach from the Big Ten. So... D-line guys, you'll definitely want to check that one out. Until then, hey, you guys stay safe out there. Keep your distance. And Darby, tell them what else they need to do. Keep your pads down.